All right, welcome back to another show. This is Will from the Rooster Report, and I'll be your host for the show. So today, we are going to do a recap for San Diego Round 3 that was held at the new Snapdragon Stadium. Now, this is a brand new stadium to the series, replacing Petco Park that was raced at for the last eight years. While Petco Park will be missed, this stadium brings new opportunities. Eliminating a baseball stadium, this forces new race strategies. With baseball stadiums, we get more of a variety of turns. And with football venues, it limits the creativity when it comes to the design of the track. With all that being said, in these cases where the track really shines, is the rhythm sections. So in my opinion, I think this weekend was a perfect example of how to use a stadium like this to their advantage. With the rhythm sections, dragon's backs, the whoops, the long turns, and the big jumps created a lot of competitions for the fans. If the tracks continue to be like this, we're in for a good season. All right, before we continue, let's give a shout out to our first sponsor, Jackal Leather. Jackal Leather offers leather goods at the highest quality. From handbags, purses, to duffel bags, Jackal Leather has got you covered. What makes Jackal Leather different from all the other high luxury brands is simple. Everything is handmade. From the design, panels, and even the stitching, it's all done by hand. For more information, check out info at jackalleather.com. All right, let's get into some race results here. For the 250 class, we have first, Jet Lawrence, second, RJ Hampshire, third, Cameron McAdoo, fourth, Enzo Lopes, and fifth, Pierce Brown. The 450 class, we had first, Eli Tomac, second, Cooper Webb, third, Justin Barsha, fourth, Ken Roxon, fifth was Chase Sexton. All right, let's talk about the heat races. So in heat one with Enzo Lopes and RJ Hampshire, I think that battle was pretty epic. It was really cool to see Enzo Lopes putting up the charge on the privateer bike, even with the restart, unfortunate to the rider that went down. They had to do a staggering start. And for some reason, even though that RJ Hampshire did pass Enzo Lopes before that happened, I'm assuming they took it back to the places that all those guys were before they red flagged it. And so um, I'm assuming that happened in the middle of all that. And I don't really understand it. But with Enzo Lopes coming back, putting on the charge for as long as he did until RJ got around him, was really cool to see. Would have liked to see Enzo Lopes put a little bit more of a charge, but I think he gave it all he had for that race. And it's really cool to see that we're starting to have another rider challenge these factory guys for the top spot. All right, now in heat two, there's no surprise that Jet comes out and kills it. Expecting that, but somebody who I would like to show a little bit of an honorable mention to was Levi Kitchen. Levi showed tremendous speed challenging a lot of the other factory guys and i think he's a little bit of a unknown when it comes to supercross he hasn't had a lot of time on the bike within supercross so it looks like he's getting there and he's kind of figuring things out and um in the future i'm hoping for him to be really really fast all right circling back here i didn't forget max volan not qualifying straight out of the heat race and this is heat one for the 250 class now that was mainly due to minor uh, mistakes that he was making on the track and crashing here and there um i think essentially when it gets when you make one too many mistakes your heart rate goes up a little bit and you lose a little bit of focus and every time that happens that those mistakes multiply and that's exactly what happened to Max and essentially he needed to come back into the LCQ and put on a heater. All right, so 450 heat one 
and this was an exciting one. Well, it's no surprise that Eli's going to run away with it, so let's leave it there. But all the action was behind him. This is with Justin Barsha and Jason Anderson. When these guys get together, it's no surprise that they're going to put on a show, and it just depends on who's in front and who's going to take each other out. Now, in my opinion, I don't think that pass after the triple jump was insanely dirty, but I don't know if it was necessary. But knowing Barsha, maybe that's just the way you need to ride him. All right, we got more drama behind those guys, and that was with Chase Sexton and Aaron Plessinger. Now, these guys were coming through the whoop section, and this was coming into the final turn before the finish line. And at the end of that whoop section, Chase Sexton gets a little squirrely and essentially... Uh, throws the bike down facing the whoop section and throwing himself into the turn. Now, Aaron Plessinger was coming straight for him. They were too close together. And Aaron Plessinger accidentally hits or Chase Sexton's bike and he smashes the aluminum. And now this is gone. Dunzo for Chase Sexton. And so essentially he had to walk off and prepare for the LCQ not a position he wanted to find himself in. All right, heat two. Three guys come to mind. That's Ken, Malcolm, and Adam Cincerillo. Now, it's no surprise to me that Malcolm Stewart's up there, especially with Ken. Ken uh, has had a good start to his season, same with Malcolm. But I think guy that is more surprising than those two is Adam Cincerillo. It's good to see Adam up there battling with Ken uh, for the top position there. Uh, it shows us where his speed's at. And hopefully those past injuries are behind him. Now Malcolm gets Ken Roxon later in the race and puts himself in a good position for the main. All right, so now we got to the LCQs and essentially big bummer for Max Volan for the 250 class. I think essentially what he was supposed to do is just have a clean, good race. He put himself in an okay position climbed up to a qualifying position and what happens with these guys is they think they can get one more they think they need to get one more and while max definitely had the speed to win definitely had the speed to qualify that same mindset that little mistakes happen within the lcq and it essentially plagued him he crashes out and wasn't able to remount the bike and get into a qualifying position before the checker flag so super big bummer for Max Volan. I don't really know what that says for him and the KTM squad. I think that's a bigger conversation that's going to happen behind closed doors. And I don't really know if it's going to be in Max's favor. But hopefully we can see him next week rebound and have a good weekend. All right. On the other hand, Chase Sexton did what he needed to do. In the 450 LCQ, Chase Sexton executed perfectly and put himself in a position to qualify. He was leading by about 10, 9 seconds there at the end of it with little to no mistakes. And essentially the rest of the action was right behind him and didn't really have to worry too much about that and put himself in a position to get a spot in the main event there. All right, 2.50 main event time. I was really excited for this one. We have all the top contenders in there besides Max Volan there. But nevertheless, I think we had... Uh, pretty good speed altogether. The track was fast despite the earlier week with all the weather there. They did a really good job maintaining the track throughout the race so far. And that first turn, man, was brutal. Uh, it looks like Levi Kitchen is out for the race and wasn't able to return when the broadcast showed him on the TV. It looks like he was holding his hand maybe. And hopefully that was just 
uh, a minor setback for him. Hopefully, it doesn't derail his season. I'm looking forward to seeing him in a full season and what he can do. Possibly get a podium, maybe. It looks like he's got some speed, so I'm hoping he can come back. So, super big bummer for him. Hopefully he's okay, and hope hopefully he can remount the bike and looking forward to him to return. And with that first turn, it collected a lot of guys in the start of the race, put some guys back, especially RJ Hampshire pushing through the crowd there. Um, was hoping for him to uh, get a little bit of a better start than he did. I think he got hung up behind some of the uh, slower factory guys out there that were putting out a good charge and was hoping to... Uh, see him and have him challenge Jet a little bit more closely than we, we saw him in round three. But a uh, big shout out to Enzo Lopes, another great start. Um, and having him stay pace at least a little bit with the factory guys there and mount up to fourth. Now, with that being said, the track at this point is breaking down a ton. It is pretty brutal. And at this point, this track calls for excellency within your line choices and the way that you ride your bike. Now, I was hoping to see a little bit more from Cameron McAdoo. I think what essentially happened is he did get off to a good start. So really, really fun to see him there. And he did uh, hang on to Jet for most of the race. And I was Excited to see him up there, but I was kind of hoping for him to push a little bit harder than he did. Um, wasn't able to kind of do that there. I think Jet was just on another level, and maybe for the season, uh, he's a little bit faster than everybody else um, besides uh, RJ Hampshire. And I think if those guys can get the start that they need and something happens to Jet, that's where they come in. But Jet's the main guy for this class right now. All right, now with all that being said... RJ Hampshire pushes through the pack at this point, and he does catch Cameron McAdoo, who is pacing Jet Lawrence at this time, and challenges him for position and was able to get it. And I think at this point, if there was a little bit more time in the race, we would have seen an RJ and Jet battle, which would have been really fun. You know, having somebody challenge Jet for the top position, we know he's the top dog in this class right now, and so... Having somebody challenge him would be fun to see. Just behind these guys was Enzo Lopes and Pierce Brown. I think not being able to see Pierce Brown in A1 really kind of sucked, especially since he was so fast within the qualifying times, having him come back and put a respectable top five. That's kind of where I would like him to be, even a little bit further up in the field, especially this early in the season. This type of performance shows the dedication in the offseason that they've taken to put in the work for the night show. And so I'm excited to see that he's done all that time and all that work to come in in San Diego and put in a decent result. All right, moving on to the 450 main event. The first few laps are always pretty hectic in these races, especially since they're so close together. There's not enough time in that short of time to have them spread out, and that's they're doing that in the process. And so it's inevitable that something's going to happen to one of the riders. So during all this chaos, we've got Chase Sexton and Barsha connecting, and Chase Sexton goes down, and Malcolm Stewart 
going off the track, hitting a tough block in the rhythm section there. And now at this point, the track's pretty slick. And so again, like in the 250 class, the same rules apply. You have to be precise in all your moves and all your lines. And so, and at this point, hitting all your marks is key. So with Eli out in front, behind him, Cooper Webb was mounting a charge and he really kept him at bay for most of the race. It was until the last two laps that he really got close to him and was able to mount a charge that was worthy of the top position. He wasn't able to do it, but I think if there was more time, he would have had it. He seemed to have a little bit more speed, a little bit more of aggression. And if I believe we had more time, I think we would have had a different winner in San Diego. Now behind him was another race. That was the race between Ken Roxon and Justin Barsha. Throughout this whole race, we thought that Justin Barsha was going to come after Anderson, but never really did or never really got super close to him to a point where he could make a move. Now about three quarters of the way through, Jason Anderson makes a mistake in the wide turn at the start line and wasn't able to rebound to catch up to the top guys. This led third place Justin Barsha and fourth place Ken Rocks into battle. They pushed really hard and even had some challengers in the mix. But ultimately, it was Justin Barsha coming on top with third and leading Ken Roxon into the falling position. Now, Ken Roxon put up a really good race. And if you look at the stats for this year, he is improving. And so I think that's a testament to the bike, the team that they have, and Larry Brooks and what he's been able to do with those guys over there by steadily improving the bike. And now that should hopefully continue as we see him climb to hopefully third, second and first maybe he'll get a win this year i'm not totally sure but the opportunity is definitely out there now overall i think this track kind of plagued a lot of riders um it definitely hit max volan and even malcolm stewart malcolm stewart in the main crashed a few times and just wasn't able to mount the charge that we know that he's able to do um even with chase sexton there um even though that was just an entanglement with another rider just hoping to see those guys on the top uh, step of the standings here and hoping for uh, a better future for those guys within the competitive racing season. Now this last week my picks for fantasy were completely botched. I thought Jason Anderson was going to do better than he did. Same with Chase Sexton and even Colt Nichols. I was surprised that Colt Nichols didn't do as well. The broadcast didn't really show too much past sixth place and so didn't really get to see what was going too much on behind the top group but hoping for a better outcome next week for all those and for my sake within fantasy all right next week we have anaheim two i think the pressure is off now that anaheim won and the second race of the season is over i think the baseball stadium is going to offer unique sets of rhythm sections turns and even maybe a sand section so hoping for something like that next weekend but until then, I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm trying to shorten these down just so it's not a big chunk of time that you're listening to. So I think we're around 15 to 20 minutes here. And I'm hoping that this is an easier listen for you guys. So let me know if that's the case. But until then, I hope you guys enjoyed what we've got so far. And we'll see you next time in Anaheim 2.